You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Thank you, team, for leading us to worship. Again, I'm Johnny. I use he, him pronouns. I want to offer a message that I hope encourages you, um, edifies you. We're going to start with reading some scripture and we had, we got, we had the transfiguration according to uh, Sufyan, and now we have the transfiguration according to the writer of the Gospel of Luke. Um, so any volunteers to read that either in person or on Zoom, either way it can work. So if you're on Zoom and you want to do it, just unmute and speak. And if you're here, you have to raise your hand so that Sarah can give you the microphone so you can speak into it so that they hear you on Zoom. That's how this works. Who's up for it? Okay, Tokia. <laughs> now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things that, any of the things they had seen. Luke 9, verses 28 to 36. Thank you, Tokyo. Let's pray before we keep going. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. I was talking to my friend the other day, and this would be a recurring theme in our relationship. They said that in this world all things end in despair and tragedy and everything falls apart. There was this sense of existential dread in their voice. And in many ways I agreed with them. We have a lot of evidence around us that things don't work. Many of us have done the work to lead our church, for example, to be anti-racist over the last two years and have felt uh, abuse or trauma, defamation, threats of division. We raise our kids as best as we can. And they still need to see psychotherapy to get over whatever we did to them, you know. We socially, we socially we, some of us do our best, right? We socially distant distance, we isolate, we skipped Christmas in 2020, you know, we, we did everything we could. We didn't see our loved ones. And still, in the United States, nearly a million people die of the coronavirus. You know, you do your best environmental duty, you get solar panels, you recycle, you uh, buy a hybrid vehicle, you take the train. And still, 
carbon emissions threaten to warm the globe, right? You fight hard for civil rights legislation in the 1960s, you march for it, you, you, and you achieve it. And 60 years later, white supremacy is still uh, flourishing in the United States. That seems pretty uh, despairing, right? We mess up, we break up. Things don't work out. Things fall apart. Sometimes even despite our best efforts. President Obama tried to renegotiate Russia's relationship with the US during his tenure. He tried to reset the relationship. And Russia still just now acted aggressively invaded a sovereign terror country in the most significant conflict in Europe in nearly 80 years. But I've seen something this week, even in Ukraine, that helps me uh, challenge my friend's foregone conclusion. Because there are pockets of hope. There are moments of joy. There are beams of light that pierce the darkness. In, in Ukraine, there's unity, even among some Russians, in opposition to this expansive war. Nations are speaking out. I was inspired by the uh, ambassador from Kenya to the UN speaking out against the apparent imperialism that's occurring, or Mexico's statement that didn't fail to mention the French and the American invasion of its sovereign territory to tell the world why Russia invading Ukraine was wrong. That's hopeful. Something could change. There's even bipartisan condemnation of this in the United States, which is uh, surprising in a, in a time where it seems like uh, our Congress is uh, recalcitrant. There is hope, and we need hope to get through the toughest times. We pray for it, we yearn for it, but seeing an image of it helps us. Seeing, seeing hope uh, transfigured helps us. We can keep going when we see it. Because we're often promised, especially as Christians, hope amidst our suffering. But it's hard to see it. Because we endure and endure in our present pain, sure, certain that we will have more of it. Certain that our oppression will cease, will not cease, will continue. We hope the promise that we're told will come. We long for moments of faith where, where mo moments where our faith will be made into sight to get us through whatever tragedy we're facing. We want God to be present. We hope God is here and you feel God's presence so you can go out and endure the pain around you with hope where you don't have to succumb to despair, where you don't have to throw it away and just eat, drink, and be merry because there's nothing else to do. Look for those moments, point out those moments, see those moments and instances just in this gathered community. <sighs> Collect them up, hold on to them, they're out there. And even after the most grueling of seasons, the most painful of seasons, and the long process that we were told to trust year after year, we still see a glimpse of hope. James Harden.
collected his first triple-double as a 76er this afternoon in Madison Square Garden. There's hope. The sun rises. My bearded son. And that's what Transfiguration Sunday is about. <laughs> it's about seeing our glorified God amidst our tragedy. God gives us a sign that Jesus is our Savior. The Son of God, the Son of Man. Human and divine so that we can make it through our present the present in-between time that we live in on earth, where things aren't exactly as they should be. We yearn for what's next. As we yearn for what's next, we can endure our present suffering because hope will come. The sun will rise. There's a new day tomorrow. Transfiguration Sunday celebrates the manifestation of the Lord This is the day that God's voice was heard from heaven naming Jesus as his chosen, as the one we should listen to. It's the declaration of Jesus as the Son of God, one that precedes his glory on the cross and in resurrection. Eight days after these sayings, What that's referring to is Jesus predicting his death for the third time in the Gospel of Luke. He predicts his death. He tells his disciples, once again, take up your cross and follow me. Endure your suffering. And this declaration that Jesus is the one they should listen to allows allows for a countercultural way of living. We can endure suffering presently because of the coming glory. And it's the opposite of the way that we're told to live our life. We sacrifice for the greater good instead of just serving ourselves. We sacrifice to advance the gospel, to change the world, to turn it upside down, to lower valleys and to fill, to to fill valleys and to lower hills, to make things right. We sacrifice to make the world a better place as far as we can. As we die to ourselves so that we can live fully. And in this process, we become more human. We become more like God, too. Jesus is about to do that in his exodus, you might say. His departure. Jesus is going to accomplish a revolution in his death and his resurrection and ascension. That's what's next. That's what follows this moment. This is the moment Jesus begins that journey. And for us, on this Sunday, it's the last Sunday before we begin Lent, right on Ash Wednesday. We look at our glorified God holding on to hope as we endure our own walks of death, as we let go of what we need to let go of, as we die to what we need to die to in anticipation of Christ's death. There is a lot of imagery here that draws heavily on the exodus recalling this event that emancipated slaves from Egypt he draws an analog the writer to Jesus' exodus where he will emancipate us from sin and death 
Jesus takes his three closest disciples, Peter, John, and James, his mulligan and Lawrence and Lafayette, if you will, to a mountain to pray. And that is, in an ordinary sense, something that commonly happens. But what happens after is extraordinary. Jesus' face lights up. He becomes dazzling, just like Moses did when Moses went up to Mount Sinai and faced the presence of God. And now the mountain is a supernatural domain. The disciples are seeing Jesus in his glory in this moment, and there is a mo- there's, there's this, there's this uh, seeing into the future that happens of what's next. We see the hope at the end in the glorified Jesus so we can endure our present suffering. The mountain becomes a heavenly place. And then what follows is the appearance of Jesus' greatest two predecessors in, in the history of Israel, Moses and Elijah. Both of these prophets have had their own mountaintop experiences when Moses receives the Ten Commandments on a mountain and Elijah does battle with the prophets of Baal on a mountain and hears God's voice as a whisper. Maybe they represent law and prophets. Maybe they signal that Jesus is their successor, that God is finishing God's plan through Jesus. So they're revered in Israel. So maybe they come to testify that Jesus is God's son and this end of the world prophet, the one who's going to bring it all together. They speak of the exodus Jesus is engaging onto Jerusalem. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem, his exodus, his departure where he'll die and resurrect and offer the world judgment and salvation. And in the middle of this moment, his disciples who are about to sleep, they're heavy with sleep. But they stay awake enough to see these two men. And as these men leave, Peter utters something that um, doesn't make a lot of sense. Even the writer here, Luke, editorializes about it. Tells us it's absurd, doesn't make any sense. Peter proposes making three dwellings so that Moses and Elijah and Jesus can stay. Certainly if we extend our hospitality to these visiting prophets, they'll stay longer. There is a sense of a Eastern uh, hospitality here, hoping that these guests will stay. But Peter doesn't know what he's saying. He doesn't even understand the significance of the moment. He's as baffled by the cruciform witness that Jesus has just asked him to take on, carrying your cross and following Jesus into death, as he is about this moment. It's not clear. As much as this showcases the future hope, it is not clear to Peter what it means. And then the scene becomes even more bizarre and now frightening as this cloud descends and shadows over them. And they're terrified, as they should be. And God's voice, there's a, a, a theophany happening now. God's voice, like, like in Jesus' baptism, names Jesus as who he is, God's son, the chosen. And here, God is speaking to the gathered disciples. 
who will go to testify about who this man is. He's declaring to them who God is, who Jesus is, that Jesus is God's son. And the disciples are afraid and confused. So even in moments when it seems clear that God is among us, if you're still afraid and confused and terrified and in despair, that's okay. It's hard just to turn around. The revolution is afoot and they weren't able to hold on, hold on to the moment to receive it. It was too intense, it was too much, it was too powerful. And God implores the disciples, listen to him. Because that, he calls them to obedience because the way of the cross is so uh, unlikely to be followed intuitively. The message of Jesus, his exodus, his departure is so radical that even God needed to implore them to follow. This is a radical calling for them into what's next. He's calling Jesus, he's the chosen prophet, the next Moses, the next Elijah, the one they've been waiting for. In his transfiguration, Jesus reveals his true identity and vocation. And that his destiny is suffering, but also glory, and a destiny that's for us. So my friend who thought that life just ends in despair and tragedy isn't totally wrong, there will be plenty of suffering on this earth, but glory will come too. Hope will come. And pin hope in front of you so that you can keep going. And may we realize that hope as a community and showcase it. We will suffer, but we will be glorified. We will suffer, but find liberation. Following Jesus means that we will be rejected, but also offered a reward. And in this moment, they get to see Jesus and all Jesus' glory on the mountain which is essential because it will get much more brutal for them and for us in the coming season. It'll get harder. Transfiguration Sunday is about seeing Jesus in, 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 in full glory as a symbol of the hope that's coming, a savior that has conquered death and freed us, a balm that we need before we start our own journeys and our own exoduses, our own departures, if we will, which we will enter into for the next 40 days, starting on Wednesday. And let me tell you, Lent is a hard season to get into because it feels like we've been in Lent for two years. When's the, when's the hope going to come? When's the resurrection going to come? And I'll tell you, it is hard to celebrate resurrection in the midst of suffering. It might be nice to get a transfigured Lord, dazzling white in front of us so that we can have hope. Consider what's next for you. Where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? 
And how can we collaborate together in this journey as a community, as a church, as, as loved ones? What do we need to die to? What do we need to let go? How can we express this end of the world hope, this hope that is coming, that is present on Transfiguration Sunday and endure the exodus that's before us? As a church, we need the hope that Jesus brings in order to move us into what's next. We will keep enduring it. We've learned new things about who we are and where we want to go, and we're going to suffer to do that, but hope will come. You know, I need that hope, and many of us do, especially the marginalized among us who have faced the brunt of the difficulty of changing how things work, moving us in a better direction, discipling the church to follow Jesus in an anti-racist way, in an LGBTQIA liberating way, in a way that confronts ableism. We need hope to keep going. It's hard to take a step. We're tired. We're moving through challenging territory as a community and as a church this season. And we need to know that Jesus is present and that we ought to listen to him. May God's voice be as clear to those who are unwilling to follow but say they will in listening to God, even when it's difficult. So for the marginalized people that feel the brunt of this work, hope is coming. And for the people who might be resistant, God is saying, listen to Jesus. Keep moving. We can do it. Our community should be a manifestation of God in the world. And I believe that you are, each of you, individually, yes, are a manifestation of God in the world wherever you are. You offer a hope just in your very being. And we can offer it all the more together as a body. May we shine so that the people around us can endure their present suffering. May you feel the warmth within you so that you can keep going and endure your suffering. May we shine so that we can endure suffering together. Lord, hear our prayer. Help us to listen to you. Amen. Let's pray together one more time before we do some talk back, shall we? Lord, be with us. Be transfigured in our hearts. May we show the world who you are and may we be an encouragement to one another through our suffering. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.